want to connect your story of your mission trip to Jesus' mission trip. I don't know if you know it or not, but when Jesus, when it says that Jesus left Tyre, went through Sidon, and went to this place called Decapolis on the far side of Lake Galilee, he was really going way out of his way. He wasn't taking a direct route home. He was going many, many miles walking out of his way. To, it was very intentional that he went to this place. It was a place where Gentiles lived. It was poor. It was a place of outsiders. It was like Appalachia. That's where he went. And that's where he encountered this person. And the story that Jesus tells isn't trying, Mark isn't trying to tell us to be nicer people, to, to be more inclusive, to, be, uh, to have more compassion, uh, to, to do good things. He's not encouraging us to all try to find a mission trip to, to engage in. Mark, in. In Mark, Jesus is doing battle with the forces of death that keep people bound. Bound like grinding poverty that, we, that you saw. Keeps people bound up. Mark's Jesus comes as a liberator to do mortal combat with the one who once, as, as think about the, the, the opening hymn, um, A Mighty Fortress, the one who, who um, is working against us, who, who wishes our worst. Christ has come to do battle. That's the Jesus we see in Mark. So, He's come to break loose the chains and the shackles that bind us. And so in a way, this story and every story in Mark is is an exorcism and a resurrection story. So, for example, when Jesus is in the boat and there's a storm and and, uh, it's, uh, it's not just this pleasant calming the storm so that people can move on with their lives as if... That's what Jesus does for us. This is Christ encountering the evil chaos that is taking order out of the world. And and he literally rebukes the wind. He's doing battle. Later, Peter misunderstands what Jesus says about the cross. Jesus is foretelling his suffering. And Peter says, you can't do that. And Jesus doesn't just say, well, I tell you what, we're going to have a series of Sunday school classes and we're going to see if we can try to influence you to think differently. No. He, he looks at Peter and he says, get out of my way, Satan. He rebuked Peter. He's doing battle with evil. That's the Jesus we get in Mark. And in some ways... I think that's what we were doing in Tennessee. In this story, a deaf man comes. He's got also a speech impediment. We could think of it as a typical story of healing. The man has a disability. Jesus heals the disability. The community is overjoyed. We feel sorry for the man, but then we feel happy for him. And we feel... Uh, joy over Jesus' compassion and maybe even inspired to do 
a mission trip or some other good deed. If that's the way we receive the story, well, it's, it's not bad, but it wouldn't be the Jesus that we get in Mark. For Mark, the stakes are higher. In Mark, the man who is deaf and mute is not a symbol for those who are marginalized by society. He is instead a symbol of all of us, of every human being, when humanity is seen from an apocalyptic perspective. He can't hear and therefore can't speak the gospel. What he needs now is not some bland chirping about inclusivity or compassion. What he needs is an exorcism. He needs to be liberated from the powers of death that have chained him. In Mark, you don't have to have a disability to be set apart from the rest of us. We all are in some way disabled. This man is deaf in the same way that we are all deaf. He doesn't have a disability. He has the human condition because theologically what he can't hear is the good news. What he can't hear is the power of Jesus in his midst. And because he can't hear it, he can't speak it. I say he's deaf and he's mute in the way we all are. I mean, take our ASP group, just for example. We all know what the gospel has to say about consumerism. We all know about shopping and possessions. We know that it's, it's more than just bad. It's idolatry. We know that it can get us in its grip and that it offers a false joy and fulfillment. We know all that. But when we get on Amazon, or we know there's a sale at the town center, or we take a trip to New York, or we go somewhere else, and we, or we see what our peers have, or are driving, or living in, well, we just feel we have to have it. I know what the gospel says about consumerism. I just can't hear it. We know what the gospel says about troubled times. We know that when the winds rise and the storms come and the waves rise up, Jesus says, fear not, fear not. The embodied incarnate shalom of God is right here with us. We know that. That's the gospel we've always heard when we're in trouble. And yet, when the bills rise and I can't pay them, when sickness comes, when I'm cut from the team, when my boyfriend drops me, when I'm hopelessly behind in calculus, when I'm at risk of losing my job, when I can't even speak to my brother or sister, then it's the reality, Lord, where are you? Don't you know we are perishing? You see, I know what the gospel says about having troubles. I just can't hear it. And I know what the gospel says about me, that I am worth so much, as, as Emily said to the kids today, that, that every single person is so valued by God. 
that we are of eternal worth, that God created us in his image and we are made good. I know all that. We know all that. But we also know that we're bombarded with with messages that, boy, you'd better pass that test. You'd better make it to that top quartile. We need you to be a success. We need you to be pretty or cool or funny or smart. Yeah, I know what the gospel says about human being, but I just can't hear it. And so I know what it would take to get me to hear it. It would take a miracle. It would take an act of God. And that's exactly what we get. They bring Jesus, this man who couldn't hear the gospel, and Jesus sighs a deep sigh. It's the word, it's, it's sort of half frustration and half sadness and a third half of anger. I'm not a mathematician. He's, he's almost to tears as he confronts this deaf person as if he's saying, this is not the way it was meant to be. Margaret, Nettie, this was not the way you were supposed to have to live. It's not the way you were meant to be. And Jesus thrust his fingers into the man's ears, touched his tongue, and said into the chaos of that man's life, Ephatha, be opened. It would take a miracle, an act of God for that man to hear the gospel, for me to hear it, for any of us to really hear it. And that's what we get. That's the Jesus we get in Mark. I think that's a little bit of what we got that week in Tennessee together. God still groans for people who can't hear, for people caught up in systems that grind them down so they can't even heat their homes. God still groans and sighs for the day when people will realize that they are community, they are intended to be that way. But I don't want to kid you, it is not easy to hold on to faith and hope in such a world as this. It's hard work, hard as digging a ditch in a rocky ground. Hard to hold on to faith and hope But working hardest of all, says Mark, is Jesus. Jesus working for us, standing among us every day and shouting into our chaos, be opened, be opened. Opening our ears so that we really can hear the gospel and touching our tongues so that we can speak the truth. Amen.